And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to The Aldridge Family, starring Ezra Stone from 1942. Then it's a Christmas drama on the California Caravan from 1947. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? Well, I'm wondering if you saw the 66th annual Miss Universe pageant. Gosh, I missed that. Well, I'm here to fill you in. All right. Okay. Okay, I wish I was a judge on that show. I bet you do, or maybe a performer or your hairdresser. Would it really matter? Yeah, well, you know. Any of the above would do. <laughs> right? Judge is probably the best. Prob- probably. So this took place November 26th, 2017. This was at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, and um, they do it live, this whole competition there. The presenter was mm. Steve Harvey, again, and again, and again, even after his uh, 2015 Harvey? blunder. He's done it two years after that now. Right. He actually made a joke during it as he was about to read, you know, saying uh, he hope he doesn't oh kind of mess it up type type of thing. Um, the winner? Adina Mazel. Yes, it is. So, um, you know, if I say her name, I'm probably going to louse it up. So I'll just tell you where she's from. The winner was South Miss South Africa. All right. The runner-up was Miss Columbia. Uh-huh. So either way, it's all good. The presenter, of course, was Steve Harvey. And some of the performers was Rachel Platten and Fergie was there. So there were 92 women in this competition. Gosh. Right? To be on a desert island with 92 women uh, trying to win Miss America. That's what I Miss was America thinking. Miss America or Miss Universe? It's Miss Universe. This oh, is the universe. Better. The competition says is it's a measure of beauty, brains, and charisma. So yeah. it's it's a whole package. Right. And there's interviews and swimsuit competitions and evening oh, gown competition, competition competitions Mike. and more conversation. That's your favorite part, right, Mike? The yeah. So you missed it. I bet you can find it if you want. I'm gonna to. have to find that. Check somewhere. her out, Miss yeah. South Africa. Wow. Well, congratulations. To, to her, not to, to her. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right. Well, last time we began listening to the Aldridge family, Henry Aldridge and his friend Homer Brown are trying to sell Christmas cards for the upcoming Christmas season. Let's go back to June 18, 1942, for the Aldridge family. What are the holiday greetings for? I don't know. Isn't next Sunday Father's Day? <laughs> well, sure, but how do they know I'm a father? And look at this, Joe. What they're looking for is a shipment of bonds. Of war bonds? That says so right there. The driver's held up because we misplaced the shipment. Gee, Bill, that's a pretty serious thing. Uh, telegram, Mr. Cooper. Well, what's this one about? I don't know, but it's marked right. Oh, it's another one from Aldrich. It says, must have shipment. Have sold 500. Holiday greetings. <laughs> Polite guy, isn't he? Hey, we're going to get into trouble, Bill. You better send that up to the superintendent and let him try to figure it out. Now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Henry and Homer had planned to take orders for Christmas cards in order to make enough money to buy a war bond. 
When the samples for the cards did not arrive, they wired the express company. They wired a second time. While the boys are waiting at the station for a second reply, the scene opens in Mr. Aldrich's office. Hello? Is this John Clark? This is Mr. Clark. Well, this is Sam Aldrich, John. Yes? I was talking with Mr. Bush this morning about our bond drive. I wanted him to do some work on one of the committees. Yes, is he going to? Well, he wants to. He's for us 500%. But he's tied up right now, and he suggested I call you and see whether you couldn't help us out. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad you called. Good. Now I'll tell you what we'd like to have you do. Uh, Now, wait, Sam. Uh, Is this something that has to be done in the next few days? Yes, it'll have to be. Well, that's too bad. Uh, Because after next week, I could give you all the time you want. But you can't right now. Well, you know how things are in my business, Sam. I'm with your heart and soul, but my hands are tied. I see. You know me, Sam. I'm for this drive a thousand percent. And I wish you luck. Goodbye. Goodbye. Here's a box that just arrived, Mr. Aldridge. A box? What's in it? A supply of 10% pledge buttons for the bond drive. Are they all 10%? Aren't any of them a 1,000%? Hello, Sam Aldridge speaking. Uh, This is Howard. Yes, Howard. Sorry I was out when you called, but I got your message. My message? Yes, and I don't understand it. What message are you referring to? Whether I prefer red or green envelopes. For what? For the cards, the show cards. Why would we want envelopes for them? That's what I'm asking you. But we certainly don't want to go to the expense of ordering a thousand envelopes. A thousand? Now look here, Aldrich. We agreed to order only 500 cards. Oh, we did? So let's not spend any more time discussing it. I've got a lot of things on my mind. Are you too busy to come to a meeting at two? I'm afraid I am, Sam. I've got a late luncheon engagement. But you call me when it's over and let me know what you did. Yes, of course. Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye. Sam! Alice, what are you doing down here at the office? Sam, I thought we were going to meet for lunch. I've been waiting in front of the Emporium for half an hour for you. I'm sorry, Alice, but I've got work to do on the Bond Club parade. Dear, do you have to work this hard? Why can't Henry help you? Now, Alice, what good can one boy do? Read it again, Henry. I've already read it four times, Homer. Well, read it again. I can't believe it. Aldridge, Centerville, greetings to you. Entire force trying to trace shipment for bond drive. If unable, locate, advise reordering through Treasury Department. Please wire further wishes. They're crazy, Henry. And it's signed by the General Superintendent. Well, that's what's the trouble. Do you know what my father does when he can't get action? What? He goes straight to the president of the company. Does that help? Sure. Let me have your pencil. Here. Gee whiz, don't they realize we're losing orders left and right? And Henry, what about the big parade? We don't want to ride on a float if we haven't even bought our bond. That's what I said. Say, what are you writing? President of the Express Company. Time is growing short. Now, how about time is shortening? Yeah, time is shortening. <laughs> Losing orders. What will we do about bond parade? Please send greetings. That's telling them, Homer. Do you think it's clear? Clear? Why, it's as plain as day. And look, just as soon as we've sent this, let's call Mr. Howard again. What for? I just thought of something else we forgot to ask him. Any calls while I was out for lunch, Miss Gray? Yes, Mr. Howard. Mr. Aldrich's son phoned. His son? What did he want? He's apparently helping his father. He wanted to know whether you want your middle initial printed on the cards. On what cards? On the show cards, I imagine, for the bond drive. Well, they're going to print my name on them? I imagine they are. I'm supposed to call Mr. Aldrich back. Well, I didn't realize they were going to do anything like that. The Aldrich boy asked about Mrs. Howard, too, but I explained that she has nothing to do with this. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Miss Gray, now, uh, how many of those cards did I tell you to order? 500. Yes, well, I don't think 500 will be enough. Do you? I don't know, sir. As a matter of fact, that wouldn't be anywhere near enough. Now, here's what you do. Call Sam Aldrich, see? Yes, sir. Tell him we want at least a thousand cards. With or without your middle initial. If he doesn't mention it, don't you. After all, I don't want him to think my name has anything to do with doubling the order. Yes, sir. Besides, I don't really care whether the J, the J is in or not. Yes, Mr. Howard. 
Mr. Aldridge. Yes, Miss Thompson. The editor of the Times is here. He wants you to go over some coffee with him. Yes, of course. Tom, come on in. Oh, hello, Sam. I just stopped by to show you the story about the bond driver running tonight's paper. Fine, fine. Gonna give it the front page, nearly half a column. Yes, half a column. You couldn't spare any more than that? Well, half a column's quite a bit, Sam. Tells the whole story. The only thing oh, is... Sam, you know me. I'm for this drive, but I can't overdo it. After all, my subscribers expect to find some news in the paper. The only thing is, Tom, the other paper's going to give their entire front page. We need the same from you. You mean some of the folks are against this drive? No, most of this town is working its head off. But there are a few, Tom, that need waking up. They're the ones we've got to sell on investing 10% of their income for the rest of this war. Oh, don't you worry, Sam. Everything is going to be fine. Uh, excuse me. Hello, Sam Aldrich speaking. Uh, Mr. Aldrich, this is Centerville Station. We got a telegram here for you. A telegram for me? I think it's for you. It came in while I was out. It says Aldrich, Centerville. Now go ahead. Who's it from? Uh, the president of the express company. From whom? What's he say? What's it about? Uh, he says, uh, greetings. I'm doing everything in my power to facilitate your bond drive. If you do not get fullest cooperation from our local representative, please wire. Well, well, and you say that's from the president himself? Yeah. And he's doing everything in his power to facilitate our bond drive? Yeah. And what's the rest? If we do not get fullest cooperation from local representatives, please wire? Yeah, and greetings. Greetings. Yeah, but that's not the important part. And you say it's signed by the president? Yes, sir. Are you sure that's for me? Well, it's addressed to Aldrich. Well, then I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, goodbye, Mr. Aldrich. Goodbye. Well, Sam. What's that, Tom? Isn't everybody that gets a telegram like that? I beg your pardon? Now, tell me frankly, Sam. About how much space do you think this paper ought to give to make this drive a success? Well, to tell the truth, that should be up to you. But we'd like a lot more than we're getting, a great deal more. And frankly, th- Sam, I-, I think you should have it. Oh, excuse me. Hello, Sam Aldrich speaking. Mr. Aldrich, this is Mr. Howard's secretary. Yes? Mr. Howard wanted me to tell you that if you feel we need a thousand of those show cards, it's all right. Yes? Well, I'm glad he came around to my point of view. (laughs) I'm just sorry I didn't ask for 1,500. Well, I think it would be all right if you ordered 1,500. You mean it's all right with Mr. Howard? Oh, yes. And print them any way you want to. Yes? Well, that's fine. Uh, Sam, may I speak with Howard? Uh, Miss Gray, is Mr. Howard there? Oh, just a minute. I'll call him. Here, Tom. Right. Mr. Aldridge, there's a gentleman in the outer office that wants to see you. To see me? From the express company. Yeah? Uh, excuse me, Tom. I'll be right back. Hello? Uh, Howard, this is Tom from over at the time. Yes? Did you know that Sam Aldridge just got a personal wire from the president? No. Yes. And he told Sam if he doesn't get the fullest cooperation from us, he wants to... Hello? Hello, is this Clark? Yes. Well, Clark, this is White. Say, you know that golf game we were going to have tomorrow? Yes. Well, would you mind our postponing it for a couple of weeks? I'm going to be pretty busy on the Bond Club drive. Oh, you are? Oh, yes, yes. I don't know whether you know it or not, but the president's taking a personal interest in it. Sam Aldrich got a wire from Washington and confidentially... Mr. Howard, I have your wife on the phone now. Thank you. Uh, hello, Jenny. Yes? This is J.J. I won't be home for dinner, Jen. Why not? I've got to do some work on the Bond Committee. Probably be midnight before I get home. But, J.J., I've arranged a bridge game for tonight. Well, cancel it. The bond drive's more important. Yes, dear. Oh, has Henry Aldrich been in touch with you? No, what about? Christmas cards. Jenny, this is no time to think about Christmas cards. Goodbye. Hello? Hello? Is this Sam Aldrich? Yes. Well, this is Clark. Say, Sam, why didn't you call me again? What about? The bond drive. We can't sit back and expect you to carry the whole load. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And don't you think we ought to talk to folks into investing 15% each week instead of just 10? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Extra, 
Street Times share. Read all about the Bond Drive Parade. Extra paper. All about the Bond Drive. that's going by. Which one? The one just coming up to the reviewing stand. Oh, yes, yes, very good. Is the float that Henry and Homer are on in sight yet? Uh, not yet. They ought to be along in a minute, though. Sam, which company here in town bought the most bonds? The Express Company. The Express Company? Yes, for some reason, the main office in Chicago wired that they'd be willing to top the pledge of any firm in town. Well, wasn't that nice of them? Hey, you know those show cards, Howard, okay, look pretty nice. Well, they certainly are a lot of them. Now, it's weird J.J. Howard hasn't spoken to me since we put them up. Oh, incidentally, don't let me forget to tell Henry when he gets home there's a package at the house from the Excelsior Greeting Card Company. Yeah? Yes, it came this morning by parcel post. Yeah? Sam, Sam, here comes the float that Henry's on. Where? Way down the street. See him, Sam? See him? Oh, yes. Sam, where did they get the truck? The express company loaned it. <laughs> but, Sam, why are Henry and Homer in track suits? They're supposed to be relay racers, Alice, don't you see? Oh, oh, yes, isn't that nice? What is that that Henry's handing over to Homer? A torch, Alice. See the sign above them? They represent the spirit of total effort. Of total what? Effort, Alice. Effort. This drive is the greatest thing this town has ever had. Henry, I want to have a talk with you. Yes, Father. You and Homer looked fine on that float. And it's fine of you to want to sell Christmas cards in order to buy bonds. Yes, Father. But I don't think you should go from house to house carrying that torch in your tracksuit. The Aldrich family is rebroadcast through shortwave to our armed forces in all parts of the world. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with your favorite youngster, his family, and his pals. The Aldrich family, starring Ezra Stone, is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Original music is composed and conducted by Jack Miller. This is Dan Seymour saying you will enjoy fragrant, flavorful postum. And remember... Postum contains nothing at all that can possibly upset your digestion. This program came to you from New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's the Aldrich family from June 18, 1942, selling Christmas cards starring Ezra Stone and Jackie Kelk with House Jameson. Dan Seymour doing the announcing, sponsored by J-E-L-L-O. It's heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's California Caravan. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf, And to my left, the very talented Mike Costello. That's my team here on Hollywood 360. And I want to remind all of our listeners about my book that recently came out. I wrote a book about the golden age of radio. It's called The Top 100 Classic Radio Shows. And it's a big honkin' coffee table book it's 224 pages and it's uh, interactive because you can log on to a special website and digitally download 78 of the top 100 classic radio shows also there's three cds in the back of the book where you can listen to six classic radio shows and it's a big colorful uh, book with hundreds of period pictures and I think you will like it. If you'd like to order the book, it's available to all of our listeners for twenty nine ninety nine plus shipping and handling. And I will be happy 
and uh, very honored to autograph and personalize it for you uh, as part of that price, uh, absolutely free. So just go to our website, which is Hollywood360radio.com. That's Hollywood360. Radio.com and a pop-up will pop up talking about the book. Take a look at it. And I know uh, Lisa has given a bunch of them away as presents to people in her family. I appreciate that, Lisa. It's a great present. And the funny thing is, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, I've heard people say to you, you know, you ought to write a book. Mm -hmm. And so you did. Yeah. (laughs) You (laughs) ought to to write pictures. Exactly. You're the picture. But it makes perfect sense for you to do this. Yeah. um, It really is a fantastic book. Well, I wrangled my my friend uh, Martin Grams, who is an expert on classic radio, and together we hold a lot of experts and came up with the top 100 shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Burns and Allen, The Whistler, Dragnet. But there's also ones that you may not you may not have thought about, like Little Orphan Annie and The Guiding Light. I say some of the soap operas that you don't generally play are in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, this book is a coffee table book. It's like four pounds, a big book, available for only $29.99. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. Hope you uh, pick it up for the holidays or as a gift for somebody in your family as well. All right, right now it's time for the California Caravan. This will be the first time we're airing one of these, Lisa and Mike. Uh, This was a drama, came to radio in 1947, lasted until 1952. Bob Purcell was the narrator. And the casts included radio's greatest supporting characters, people like Virginia Gregg, John Daner, Harry Bartell, Paul Fries, Irene Tedrow, and others. These were little-known historical true dramas sponsored by the California Physicians Service. It was heard on Mutual and ABC. And uh, this show was heard only on the West Coast. It did not air in Middle America or on the East Coast. A very good series, though. Let's tune in to a Christmas episode from December 21st, 1947. This is called How Santa Claus Came to Simpsons Bar. It's hosted by Bob Purcell. Let's tune it in. Part one of California Caravan. Now to California Caravan and the story... How Santa Claus Came to Simpson's Bar. The winter of 1862 was a wet one. Rain fell steadily and thin mountain streams swelled and gushed into the valley of the Sacramento. High above the flooded lowland, the little mining camp of Simpson's Bar clung to the edge of Table Mountain, buffeted by howling winds, slashed by driving rains, and completely cut off from the outside world by the raging waters of Rattlesnake Creek. Most of the diggings were underwater, the rest clogged with mud. And the steady, chill rain drove the miners into their flimsy shacks. And so it was that one night late in December, the bachelor population of Simpson's Bar gathered in Thompson's store, huddled miserably around the pot-bellied stove, listened to the steady drone of the rain. Uh, Real dreary. Oh, I could sure do the drink. We drained the last bottle on Tuesday. Oh? Anybody care for a hand of red dog? What for? Suspend the buttons. No money. No liquor. Uh, if I was asked to point out a quiet little village where a retired gambler like myself might exercise his talent with no hope of return, I'd say Simpson's Bar. Oh, shut up. My friend, I'm among you from necessity, not from choice. Yeah. If this infernal rain had held up, I'd be in Tuttleville right now with a hot rum toddy in my left hand and four aces in my right. Tuttleville? Uh, ain't that where your Mexican sweetie lives, Dick? Rosita? Yeah. Wouldn't be at all surprised if one of them Dixon boys don't beat your time with Rosita. 
Especially since you ain't been here this week. Mind your own business. Things are sure tough. I had to tell the stage to stop at Granger's and the mail got lost in the ford at Barton Point. Ryder had swim for his life. Who gets mail anyway? I'm just making conversation. Well, I can do without it. Now, listen. What kind of fool would come out on a night like this? Oh, that's the old man. This way, that's his mule. Well, 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 boys. Hey, when I pray... I was uh, just saying to a woman, I says, I'll run down to Thompson's and cheer the boys up a little. Hey. Hey, did you hear the one about the Irishman and the mule? <laughs> It'll kill you. <laughs> Jim Smiley told it. Now, it seems that this Jim Irishman... Smiley's an old fool. I, uh, uh, and a yellow skunk. Well, now you mention it, I reckon he is. Uh, dismal weather, ain't it? Yeah. And tomorrow's Christmas. So what? Well, that means uh, tonight's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Just another day, old man. It's just another day. Well, I, I kind of thought, that is, I had the idea, passing-like, that maybe you'd all like to come over to my house tonight and sort of tear around. You wouldn't care to do that now, would you? Well, I don't know, old man. We might have that. But uh, what about your wife? What does she say? Oh. oh well, I reckon the old man wears the britches in his own house stables. I reckon he invites who he darn well pleases. Of course, that I do. Uh, don't you fret about the old woman. No, sirree. I can handle her all right. How's that little boy Johnny of you on, old man? I hear he's been sick. Yeah, I've been missing the kid lately. <laughs> Used to see him every afternoon up on the bluff throwing rocks at mules. <laughs> Pert little rascal. Well, Johnny's been ailing lately. Got the misery in his back. Well, maybe we'd be in the way if he's sick. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he's better today. Besides, a little fun might liven him up some. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go. That's the first portion of California Caravan. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to California Caravan. Uh, boys, maybe you better wait here, Sal. I'll go inside and uh, tell the old woman I'm having company. You know, Sarah, Sarah never minded about having the boys come up, but uh, this one, she'll take a little talking to. I won't be long. All right, old man, we'll wait. Sarah, who's she? The old man's first wife. Yeah, Johnny's mom. Left the old man when Johnny was three years old. I thought everybody in the county knew that story. No, I never heard of her. Well, she was as neat and pretty a little woman as you ever saw. Good cook and tended the house fine. The old man made her life miserable. And how? By his jealousy and his suspicions. In fact, one afternoon, he invited the whole camp up to the house to prove her infidelity. Yeah, you was there, Staples, wasn't Yeah, you? sure was. The old man led everybody into the house, expecting to embarrass his wife, something terrible. And bless Pat, if she wasn't in the kitchen with an apron on, cooking supper, innocent as all outdoors. <laughs> we felt like a passel of fools. Well, you should have. Idea of putting her in a spot like that. And she was pretty shocked by the whole thing. In fact, it was about ten minutes before she recovered enough to release the man she had hidden in the closet and leave the camp with him. No. <laughs> <laughs> this one used to be the old man's cook. He married her about a year ago. I wonder what's taking him so long. Oh, she brained him with the first leg. Probably boiling up something in the kitchen to throw on us. Hey, stand to the door. Stand to the door. Oh. Well, Johnny. Evening, young man. Come out of the way. Yeah. Well, you look like an engine with that blanket draped on your son. Well, I've been in bed. 
Now, don't make no noise. The old man's in the kitchen talking to Ma. Boys, take a look at that table. Dang if it don't look like a party, huh? It ain't much. There's whiskey and crackers and cheese and tobacco. Food for the gods! Sure. There's dried apples on the shelf, but I don't admire them. Apples are swelling. Oh, yeah, powerful swelling. Now, wait in and don't be scared. I don't mind the old woman. She don't belong to me. So I'll... Uh, Johnny, you're not going to turn in again, are you? Yes, I am. What's up, kid? I'm sick. I got fever and you know, hurting in my chest and chill blamed and, and rheumatiz. Rheumatiz. <laughs> what a kid. That's not the half of what I got to say about him. Quiet, it's the old woman. She's giving him what for, all right. Listen. Well, certainly, Martha, that's so. Of course they are. A gang of lazy, drunken loafers. And that big bull, and he's the worst of lot. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So well. Yeah, didn't have no more sense than invite themselves over here with sickness in the house and no provisions. That's what I said to them. Oh, but they would come. That's what you got to expect from any price that hangs around Thompson's store. Well, just better be the last time. I got a mind to take a broom to the whole kitten caboodle of them, and you too. Reckon she throwed them out? Shh. Well, make yourself to home, boys. <laughs> the old woman thought she'd run over to Ms. McFadden's for a sociable call. Hey, uh, sure, she don't mind us being here. No, of course not. This is my house, I says to her. And I invite who I darn well please. Now, go on, sit down, boys, and get the party rolling. Yes, sir, the mule looks straight up at that Irishman, and he says, we'd get there faster if an I was to ride you. That's Jim Smiley's jury card. Got a real sharp whip he has. That's 12 o'clock. Merry Christmas, boys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Dad. Oh, it's Johnny. Oh, what is it, son? I got the misery again, Dad. Can you rub my back? Well, sure, son. Hey, give me that bottle of whiskey, Dick. It's the only thing I can rub him with when... Oh, empty. Here, here, there's some left in my cup. Yeah, mine. Pour it all together, boys. Yeah, old man. Maybe this is enough. Now, you go out all your party, boys. I, I won't be long. Sure. Now... Now, where, where does she hurt, son? Sometimes up here, sometimes over here. But it's real bad right here. Oh, well, now, we, we'll fix that up right away. Having a good time out there, Dad? You bet, Sonny. Tomorrow's Christmas, ain't it? Yes, it is. What's Christmas, anyway? What's it all about? Oh, it's uh, just a day. Ma says that everywhere but here, everybody gives things to everybody on Christmas. She says there's a man they call Santa Claus. He comes down the chimney night before Christmas and gives things to children. Boys like me. Puts presents in their stockings. Uh, son, uh, Ma said that? Yeah. She just made that up, didn't she, Dad? Just to fool me, didn't she? Oh, now, Dad, don't you take on none. It don't hurt near so bad now. I'm going to be all right and get well. Everything. Yeah, sure, sure, son. Sure you will. What's the boys doing out there, Dad? Oh, betting on something, some game or other. They got a little pile of money on the table. Now, now you try to sleep, sonny. I'd sure like to take a hand and win some money. Oh, we'll have lots of money when I strike a rich, son. Most any day now I'll hit that vein. And I'll get you anything you want. I'll send Plum to San Francisco for it. Well, whether you strike it or I win it, it's all luck anyway. I guess everything's just luck. But, 
Dad. Yeah? It's mighty curious about Christmas, ain't it? Even if Ma was fooling me, why do they call it Christmas? <coughs> well, well, it uh, all started a long time ago, way across the ocean. There was a little baby born in a manger. His Ma and Pa was poor folks, and they couldn't even get a place to sleep. So they had to bed down with the sheep and cows. But this here baby... He, he was sent down from heaven because he was really the son of God. And folks down here on this old earth was so wicked and sinful that God figured it would take his son to save him. His name was Jesus. Yes, I heard of him before. Well, the night he was born, the, the sky was blue as lake water. And over in the east, there was a great big white star that nobody had ever seen before. It, that was the Christmas star. And some wise men saw that star, and they knowed that Jesus had been born. So they wrapped up some fancy perfumes and spices and got on their camels, and, and they rode over to Bethlehem. And right underneath the big star, they found the manger and the baby. And they gave the gifts to the baby? Yep. And ever since that time, folks have celebrated his birthday at Christmas. And that's why they give presents to each other. On account of the little Christ child that was born long ago. And he was poor too, wasn't he, Dad? Well, in a way. But money ain't real riches, son. It's what you got inside of you that counts. How you feel about other folks. And uh, whether or not you're happy. Yes, Dad. Sit here with me till I go to sleep. Sure, Sonny, huh? I'll sit right here. Outside in the main room of the cabin, the fire burned low. The money was gone from the table and the chairs were empty. A sudden crackling ember flung a red glow around the room, lit up the bowed head of a man sitting by the door, touched the faces of the old man and the little boy both fast asleep. Dick. Yeah? Where's the old man? Asleep. Him and the kid, too. Good. We got everything ready. Come on. Where's the mare? Staples is holding her down here at the crossing. She's in an ornery mood, too. Uh, I never seen her when she wasn't. What time is it? Half past twelve. You think you can make it? It's fifty miles round trip. Well, I reckon I can. Anybody get a look at the creek? The fellow over at the stable says it's rising fast. You'll have to swim it. Right. Down, Jovita, down, blast your ornery high. Hold on, Staples. You got to watch her, Dick. She's ugly as homemade sin and crisis cousin. She but she's fast. I'll handle her. Jovita, mind her bucking, Dick. She ain't never been known to go around anything that she can get over the top of. Hey, here's the money. Right. Don't take the lower road back unless you push for time. We'll be here at five o'clock. Right. Now then, stand clear here's boy, and, and up with you. Up, uh, yeah. up, don't miss your first hold of remain there, and get off your stirrup, quick. Ready? Yeah. All right. Good luck. Get up. Go. The road to Tuttleville was alive with a strange rumor that Christmas Eve of 1862... A horse and rider was seen to plunge recklessly into the swollen waters of Rattlesnake Creek, emerge dripping on the other side, and disappear in a great thunder of hooves. 
About two o'clock, the driver of a vast pioneer stagecoach reported that he was overtaken and passed by a wild man on a pinto mare. The company warned him to stop drinking on his runs or be fired. And at half past two, a Mexican coming home from a saloon swore he saw the devil on a great yellow horse bearing down on him out of the night. And was so horrified, he stopped then and there and said his prayers for the first time in 21 years. Yes, it was a memorable Christmas Eve, for Dick Bullen had accomplished half the impossible. Only half, for he had the return trip to make, and danger lay in wait. It was three o'clock when Jovita clattered up to the Tuttleville Mercantile Establishment, and Dick banged on the closed shutters of the owner's quarters next door. Hey! Hey, wake up in there! Hey, you! Get out of bed, Johnson. You got a customer. Doors closed. Go away. Johnson, open. Oh, what's the use? Wait. I got it. Fire! Fire! Johnson, your store's on fire. Hey, what's that? Fire! Where? Get out of bed and lend me a hand. Miranda, give me my pants. I'm running for the water bucket. Here, I'll help you out the window. Down the alarm. Oh, well, don't you stay in there. Take it easy. Give me your key. Here, get the boys at the saloon. Ring the alarm. Yeah. I'll, I'll get the safe. You grab them corsets. They cost me $50 apiece. Keep your shirt on, Johnson. There isn't any fire. But somebody yelled at me. You. Yeah. Why, you, you. I ought to call the sheriff. Listen, you. There's a sick kid in Simpson's bar who don't believe in Santa Claus. He thinks the whole thing's a trick. Somebody's playing on him. Never had a present in his life. He knows it'll take a miracle for him to get one now. Well, there's going to be a miracle, see? If I have to wake up every storekeeper in Tuttleville. I'll roll out some toys and be quick about it. I ain't got all night. One hard rubber ball, a bow and arrow set, red wagon. Uh, anything else? I don't know. How much does that come to? Let's see. Two, fifty, six, eight dollars and seventy-five cents. Well, here's my roll. Seven dollars and sixty-three cents. My credit good for the rest? Oh, never mind the rest. And here's a bag of peppermint. Oh. Christmas ain't Christmas without peppermint. Oh, thanks. You're all right, Johnson. I had a kid myself. One. Now, get along, Dick Bullen. Daylight ain't gonna wait for you. So long. Merry Christmas. Easy, <laughs> that, Jovita. It's only me. Yeah, as soon as I get this package in the saddlebag, we're off. You better pick up your heels if we're gonna make it. Hello. Rosita. Oh, Richard, you do come to see Rosita. You don't forget. How'd you know I was here? I'm awakened by a horseman right by my window. I look up. It's my caballero. So I come and wait. Oh, you buy Rosita presents, no? I, uh... No. Some toys for a kid. Toys? Yeah, he's sick. Listen, honey, I risked my neck getting here, and I've got to get going, or I'll never make it back to Simpson's Bar by daylight. Oh, so you did not come to see Rosita. You say you love me, but you do not come to see me. Not after night, I wait. I watch from my window and you do not come. It is the rain, I say. The danger from the water. It keeps you away. But now... But, honey, the kid's sick. There is no kid. There is another woman. Why you do not tell me about her? Oh, honey, you know I'm crazy about you. Honest, there's nobody else. Then you come by Rosita a drink, hmm? But, oh, I can't. It's a quarter to four already. I've got to leave or I won't make it. Please. Well, I... You do love me, no? You say. Well, I... No. No, I can't. I can't. So go then. And when you come back, Rosita will have another sweetheart. Well, if that's the way you want it, so long, Rosita, and... Merry Christmas. 
A clatter of wild hooves down the empty street, past the still-lighted saloon, the church, and out onto the lonely plain. The yellow mare raced ahead with unreasoning fury, the man on her back hunched low in the saddle. At 4 o'clock, they passed the stage tavern. At 4.30, they thundered into the long slope that led to Rattlesnake Creek. The man in the saddle relaxed, smiled to himself. Then, suddenly, on the road ahead, appeared a shadowy horse and rider. Drop your hands or I'll shoot! Stand aside, Jack Foster. I know you, you low-down thief. Give me your saddlebag or I'll kill you! Get him, Javita! Kick! Stop! Kick! Good girl, Javita. Good girl. In the muddy road, the highwayman scrambled to his feet. But there was only the darkness around him and the echo of the flying hooves of the wild yellow horse. Ahead, Jovita raced down the long slope to Rattlesnake Creek, her mane blowing in the wind. Her rider slumped across the saddle horn, his right arm hanging limp, a dark stain spreading over his shirt. There was a roaring in his ears, and he was very tired. The roaring grew to a mighty thunder. Perhaps it was a pain, he thought, or the loss of blood. With an effort, he opened his eyes and stared with horror. The creek, the roaring, was the surging clamor of the water, now a mighty raging river. Together, horse and rider plunged into the torrent and were lost from view. And in the east, over Simpson's Bar, the sky began to lighten. Wake up, old man. You've been sleeping right here all night in your good clothes. Johnny. Leave him be. Get little enough peace, the poor little tyke. What time is it? Five o'clock. If you want any breakfast, you can help me clean up this cabin. I never seen such a mess. You and your drunken friends. Oh, now, Martha. Why, they ain't even gone home yet. That gambler fella and old Staples are outside right now, sitting by a campfire. Why, so they are. Now, that's funny. Most likely too drunk to get home. It's 40 degrees, if it's anything. Hand me that broom and go wash your face. Well, all right. What happened? Hey, listen, listen. Now, who in tarnation can that be? Probably another drunk. I'll give him a piece of my mind, I will. Now, what's the idea? Dick Bowling. Merry Christmas, man. He's hurt. Tell, Tell Johnny... Santa Claus is here. Oh, help me, Martin. Oh, Hamlin, lend me a hand. He's passed out. Another cup of coffee, Mr. Boland? No, thank you, ma'am. I'm feeling better now. I... I don't have to thank you. I really don't. Oh. There. That bandage ought to hold till we can get the dock over from the junction. Oh, thanks. What about the toys? Too big for a stocking, but I laid them on the fireplace. Yes? Oh, come out here, Sonny. I've got something to show you. What's everybody doing here? Ain't it pretty soon for company? Uh, Merry Christmas, Johnny. Santa Claus has come to see you, Johnny. Santa Claus? Gee, look! A, a real bow and arrows and, and a wagon and... Oh, gee, are they really mine? Yes, Sonny. Then you weren't fooling me, were you, Ma? No, Johnny. I wasn't fooling you. Uh, Johnny, uh, Santa Claus had a spell of trouble getting here, and some of the arrows got busted, and, well, the uh, candy's all wet. Oh, that don't matter. Yeah, no, oh, there's a wheel off the wagon, too, and I reckon you're parking with you a new one. Oh, it's fine, real fine. I bet you nobody ever had such wonderful presents, ever. Oh, reminds me when I was a little girl, back in Ohio. Yeah. I remember sitting in the kitchen of a Christmas morning with my stocking full of goodies and smelling the plum pudding in the oven. And we'd walk to church in the snow. And the choir would sing carols. What's a carol, Ma? Yeah. 
Yes, a kind of song. Christmas song. I never heard a Christmas song. Would you sing one for me? It's been so long, I might have forgot how. Oh, come on. For, for the kid, Marcus, we'll all join in with you. Well, after all, it's Christmas. A silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Dawn came. The sky was as blue as lake water. And in the east was a single bright star. The west wind sang in the pines with the sound of angels. And in the quiet valley there was peace. Christmas had come at last to Simpson's Bar. You've been listening to another dramatic story of California Caravan, based on an incident of true history that has contributed to our romance and adventure. The California Medical Association, your family doctor, invites you to listen again next week, same time, same station, for another drama from the pages of the past on... California Caravan. California Caravan was produced and directed by Lou Holzer, with music by Milton Charles. How Santa Claus Came to Simpson's Fire was an original story by Bret Hart, adapted for radio by Beth Barnes. Featured in today's cast were Bob Purcell, Virginia Gregg, Paul Trees, Ed Max, Hal Gerard, Jerry Farber, and Ralph Moody. Bruce Buell speaking. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. 3.30 KECA, Los Angeles. And that's California Caravan from December 21st, 1947. How Santa Claus Came to Simpson's Bar with Bob Purcell, also Virginia Gregg, Paul Fries, and Ralph Moody. And that was heard on ABC. Let's take a break. Then it's more on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of December, you can digitally download Amos and Andy Volume 1. Twelve comedy episodes of Amos and Andy Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during December at 50% off is Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1. Twelve Christmas episodes including Fibber McGee and Molly, The Great Gildersleeve, The Bing Crosby Show, My Favorite Husband, Nero Wolf, Our Miss Brooks, Spence and more. Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com today and digitally download the Amos and Andy Show Volume 1 and Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1 at half price. In January, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during December. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's Dragnet starring Jack Webb in A Good Christmas Show. Then, the Yuletide programming continues with Feber McGee and Molly from 1939. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then. <laughs>